Hello there and welcome to another Music Ally Focus with me, Music Allies editor Joe Sparrow, and we have another special guest this week. We are going to be chatting shortly to the music marketing and data expert, Christine Osazua, who will be talking to us about new ways that artists are monetizing the connection with their fans. So not around the music itself, but around the actual connection between artist and fan. Fascinating conversation coming right up. Now, uh, Music Ally provides an analysis rich guide to the music business. And that's what this Music Ally Focus podcast does too. We'll look at one of the most meaningful music business stories in brief, and it will be brief. This podcast should take about the same amount of time as it took Jamison Rodriguez to complete a mile of lunges. So he lunged 1,370 times to complete a mile of distance in 25 minutes and 21 seconds in 2010. This podcast, however, promises to be not quite as much of a stretch. Let's move on to our special guest, uh, Christine Osazua, originally from Baltimore, Maryland in the USA. Uh, until recently, she was Global Marketing Director of Data and Insights at Warner Music in London. And now she works for the curated travel and event experiences platform Pollen as strategy director for their Pollen Presents strand. She's also the founder of Measure of Music, which is part conference, part hackathon, which is happening in February uh, this year and aims to introduce others to the world of music and data, which is her background and speciality. Christine is also moderating the global streaming panel at the uh, Nylon Connect conference, which is organized by Music Ally in collaboration with Music Biz. And we asked her to appear on the podcast to chat about one of the most meaningful stories of the last year or so. And it's the new ways that artists are monetizing uh, the connection between them and their fan base. Now, the long-held assumption is that artists make music and then that music is the connection between the artist and the fan. Now, in the modern music business, there are many more ways of doing it. So let's go over and talk to Christine and see what she thinks. So, Christine, thanks for joining us here on the Music Ally podcast. We're talking about uh, fan-artist connections. And one of the trends that we've been talking about a lot from uh, last year that we think is going to be something uh, even more significant in 2022 was this new paradigm of artists seeking new streams of income, sort of outside or parallel to the traditional uh, duo of income streams, which is recording royalties and live tickets and merchandise. And one of the main ways they're doing this is by connecting with fans uh, more directly via platforms that allow these direct relationships between artists and fan. And these platforms are things that allow monetization of that fandom via subscriptions, tips, exclusive offers, things like that. And it's kind of um, exciting and different because it's monetization outside of something related directly to musical performance. So what are your thoughts on this ecosystem and this shift in approach to, for want of a better way of putting it, monetization of fandom? Yeah, I mean, I think really when it comes down to it, it's a old model repurposed with new technology. I think people have always been doing this in certain ways. So merchandise, sometimes you buy merchandise live, but you don't necessarily always have to buy merchandise live. And I think this is just the next evolution on this idea of monetization as an artist. There's various ways in which you can, you know, acquire money from your fans. Ideally, it's a um, transaction that is beneficial on both sides of things. I think it's really important. And there's a lot of interesting ways that um, people are going about that now that I love seeing. So for example, there's one company that you can monetize autographs. You sign the autograph, I believe, you know, vir virtually, and then they have the proof of the real autograph that they've gotten. That's something that's been done before, just technology is supplementing that to make that experience more seamless and 
thankfully pandemic safe in a way. So I think yeah, this idea yeah. of, you know, monetization in different ways has always existed. And what we're really doing is layering a level of tech on top of it in order to make it a more seamless experience for an artist and a fan, hopefully. One of the interesting things about this is that it really is rooted, as you said, in this embracing of platforms. These, there are no new ideas, maybe, but this sort of suite of platforms that an artist can use are very, very simple to use for the artist, but also for the fan. So it's delivering something in two directions. Um, and this is perhaps what the, what's along with the pandemic, which is, has been this tipping point of, of shifting artists over to that. Now, obviously, one reason that artists are chasing down money this way is because of the pandemic putting the brakes on their live performance, for instance. From a fan perspective, of fans engaging with the artists, what are they, what are they getting? I'm interested in this idea of this very close connection. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this is um, because the pandemic has kind of sequestered artists away from their fans, this is allowing artists to some extent to get their lives back in a lot of interesting ways. So essentially, artists have been told for the last millennia that they have to fly all over the country and all over the world to do press circuits, to do live shows, to do, you know, hair, makeup, music videos, etc. And then the pandemic happened and then everyone said, just kidding, you can do that at home. Please just do the thing now. Um, and I think it's going to be hard pressed to get artists to go back to doing, you know, 20 plane rides in, you know, a month span of time. I think there's going to be some equilibrium that's going to occur and these tools are going to help with that because if you can do the live stream if they can tip you online if they can buy, buy merch through your merch store you know if they if you can be in a single place and reach lots of people in various ways then you don't have to go everywhere and it still can feel like an intimate experience i think of things like like cameo for example some artists are going yeah, in that yeah. direction that's a very intimate experience sometimes it's a one-to-one -one experience and it, does, it brings in revenue and it doesn't require you to fly all over the world. So thinking about those ideas where like an artist might not want to fly everywhere anymore to do all of the things, allowing them this ability to be home close to family, close to friends longer while still interacting and having this intimate experience with the fans is exactly what these tools are helping to facilitate. And the fans, you know, love that interaction as well. And it feels like an intimate experience, yeah, yeah. a one-to-one -one experience versus like thinking about like, you know, waiting outside the gig and getting an autograph signed. Like this is a much more um, intimate experience often than those situations potentially. Yeah, there's two really good points there actually, which is you know, if an artist is more rested, they may produce more and better music, which is good for them and good for the fans. And also it, it allows accessibility to people perhaps who live in parts of the world where they can't go and hang around backstage or, they, or they're not able to for other reasons. Um, Cameo you mentioned there is something which is, um, interesting because it, it provides this hyper intimate experience. You know, you could get anyone who's on Cameo talking to you directly, saying your name, you know, making it feel important. Um, I, I've noticed that music artists are a little bit more reluctant to, to, to do that at the moment. It's perhaps not cool enough. And it, it's that experience of the, the really direct intimate moment that has value. And again, it's outside of music, isn't it? It's 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 the music is what elevates into importance, but then the monetization part is something outside of it. And you can see why artists are quite fond of this. It's about the direct connection, and perhaps they don't have to share the revenue with a record label as well. But obviously, now there's lots of different ways of doing it. From an artist perspective, how do they find out what their fans want? How they want that intimate relationship delivered to them digitally, and 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 to help them figure out the, the platforms to use, the monetization, and and the things that actually make the money. Yeah, um, I get asked this question a lot in various spaces, and I feel so bad when I give a very obvious answer, which is just ask them. 
plain and simple. Yeah. Um, I once heard a story about a, um, a frontline record label where they had a WhatsApp group of basically teenagers and they would text them questions like, hey, are you guys using Snapchat? And that will be the question. And then they respond back with the answer of, oh yeah, we are, or we're not, or whatever it might be. You know, like that idea of just like, have a few fans that you know are super fans, um, especially if you're a, you know, an independent artist or an up-and-coming artist that you know are super fans, and ask them questions. Honestly, every artist should have a fan on their team to some capacity, whatever that capacity might be. They should have them that exist so they can literally just say, hey, where are the rest of you guys right now? People function in the world when they're not interacting with an artist, and you should know where your fans are functioning in the world when they're not interacting with you, and then go to those places. So if they're on TikTok, you should be on TikTok. If they're on Discord, you should be there. If they're willing to pay on Patreon, that's where you should be. But just talk to your fans. If you're not talking directly to them, you know, just literally click into profiles on social media, see what they're talking about, see what they're saying, and figure out where they are. And then you take that to the next step. to say, okay, cool. Now what content should I produce on those platforms? What should I be making? How frequently should I be posting? And things like that. But you have to figure out. But start off with, where are they and go to them rather than them having to always come to you because usually the artist fan relationship as a fan is always coming to the artist sometimes the artist yeah. can go to the fan um if they make themselves available or do so and if you're finding this uh, conversation useful and you crave more of this kind of analysis and trusted insight waiting for you in your inbox every morning as well as access to all our industry leading reports head on over to musically.com slash subscribe uh, there's a link somewhere beneath this podcast. Uh, people who work at indie labels or are artist managers or are employees of CMOs or publishers might be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions as well. Okay, let's get back to our chat with Christine Osuzua. It's, it's almost like we're splitting into two businesses as an artist, if you like. There's the one of making money, uh, making money via music. So you make music, you tour it, you uh, sell it, you uh, stream it, whatever. And that is uh, one set of fan artist relationships which has an income stream and then there is this other one which for want of a better way of putting it is based around the fame is based around the um the the, the perceived relationship between the artist and the fan do you think that one can sort of affect the other or should they one affect the other you know should you know should artists feel like they should reach out to their fans and say hey what, what kind of music should i make next or should or should they, or are fans looking for a very clear direction from the artist because that's what they want they want i think it's a really interesting point i think there are quite a few artists that do not require or want the input of their fans so i will yeah, caveat yeah. with that i think some interesting areas where it makes sense to kind of talk to your fans is around things like collaborations for example you might say hey who are you guys listening to who do you guys want me to collaborate with i think that's a really fun space to provide yeah, fans yeah. with kind of what they want or what they expect i think about there's like a difference in collaborations when you think about collaborations, a lot of reasons why you might do them, but there's one area that I think is really special, which is like basically doing the exact collaboration your fans want. Um, an example of that would have been WAP, you know, like Cardi B yeah, and yeah. Megan Thee Stallion. Like, there's probably not a huge new audience that's happening from that collaboration, but it was probably exactly what both of those fan bases yeah, wanted. Yeah. So that type of stuff is exactly things that you can like work with your um, with your fans and kind of say, hey, what do you guys want to see me do next? In terms of like the full songwriting capacity, I've seen some fun, interesting things there, but I wouldn't say it's like a whole like monetization like process where you, you might put it out as like an instant grat or something like that, um, or yeah, even like yeah. a stitch um, on like TikTok, something like that, but not necessarily like a full fan collaboration situation. I think 
those are prime. I think for the most part, I haven't seen them like blended in a way that would make a lot of sense. There is some space with like AI music where I've seen some more of that, but it's really kind of right now very separate. I could see ways in which collaboration would work together really well. For example, thinking about, and this is a whole different revenue source, but thinking about, you know, um, platforms that allow um, fans to have a share in the music in some way, um, yeah, be it yeah. blockchain, you know, NFTs, things like that, where there might they might want or perceive or have more say because they, quote, own part of it where that's a lot of also gray areas that might exist, but is another revenue potential source, essentially, where the music and the fandom kind of go hand in hand that way. One important part of these relationships, using whatever platforms, the monetization is okay. Well, it isn't just okay. It's actually desired. Like, fans are very, very happy to pay if the artist get it, gets it right. So when an artist and their teams are thinking about building this sort of uh, if you like, third income portfolio, what are the things that they need to keep in mind to, to get it right that their fans will accept? And what are, what are the sort of things that they could get wrong? Yeah, so I think one of the areas that you have to be very careful about is bringing your fans on a journey with you rather than going completely left field without them and expecting them to meet you there. I think this idea of, you know, a third monetization form is different than the other ones because, again, the fans have to meet you where it has to come to you. Um, the fans no longer have to come to you. You're going to your fans to a certain extent because you're going and saying, hey, I need this from you, and this is why I'm going to offer you in return. Often the case before is they show up to the venue, they show up to the streaming platform, they show up wherever they need to show up. Now you're really going to them. And so what I mean by they have to, you have to bring them on the journey with you is, if you're saying, great, I, I'm going to um, put together this Patreon, what are you going to give to them? They're primarily going to expect things that they would expect from you. So if you have always done behind-the-scenes footage, for example, that's what they're going to expect within the Patreon. Um, if you've always done limited edition merch, that's what they're going to expect there. Um, it's not a time, it's not often a time to experiment wildly in one direction. There's probably a few, a few fans that are like, oh yeah, I totally want that, I totally want that. But really, it's a place to provide that instant gratification but also again like go on that journey with your um your fans in some way so you kind of almost like prep them for what's coming next these are the fans that you want to you might want to get early access music or music videos or opportunities to you know work with you in some way things like that or what they're open to but i think you can get it wrong when it feels like it's just a cash grab where it feels like hey oh i know my fans will pay a thousand dollars for me to you know say hi i'm just gonna charge thousand dollars for them to say hi they're going to, A, run out of money rapidly um, and under, see that that's a, um, a, a money grab. So really you have to come up with a reason why they want to um, come to you. It's, a, it's transactional in some way in the way that it means that everyone should be benefiting from it. And if, if they feel like they're not benefiting from it, they're going to see through it very, very quickly and turn against you. And that's not what you want. It's entirely the opposite of what you want. So it's really important to make sure that you're valuing your fans. Yeah, it's something which has existed, uh, you know, as upsells to live performances, you know, VIP plus tickets where you get to go on the front row and you get to meet the artists afterwards. You know, these are priced very high. Or again, we're talking pre-pandemic. Who knows how it will work afterwards? But it will probably still exist for the big name artists. You know, if you if Beyonce will still do this, I'm sure. And people will still pay a huge amount of money for it. But this actually might allow that sort of experience to artists much lower down the the pyramid who maybe they're you know they're 20 25 dollars a ticket and they 
it's more, much harder for them to sell a fifty dollar ticket to for to shake the artist's hand afterwards. So is is what you're saying is essentially another thing that artists should think about in this is okay, understand the ecosystem, understand the, the platforms and how they generate money, but you must now also as an artist think differently in how you progress forward because it's about building a community and bringing that community along with you. And how might that work for catalog artists or artists who perhaps are no longer active in terms of releasing new music and, and, and performing? Is, is this something that's still available to them, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely still available because a lot of artists, especially artists that have a really large um, catalog, have even more often. They have those demos, they have, you know, um, mm. photos, they have the behind the scene clips, they have like the producers that were in the studio with them. They have all of this like rich content that either exists or could be made that could essentially be the offering up to say, I'm providing you with even more. Think about it in the way like people would like look for bootlegs and things like that. Like those like you can make those, you can create your own bootlegs, right? <laughs> you know, and so putting those out in the world and allowing that be the thing that, you know, fans are clinging on to when you're not releasing new music, but you want that additional revenue source. That's what, I think that's a prime example of what's kind of there for you um, and for your fans, because a lot of fans that are um, big fans of like, you know, legacy heritage acts are wanting as much as possible. You know, they're going to go to the ends of the earth, or ends of the earth for like, Kiss, Grateful Dead, I know they're still touring, but like there's so much that those that community wants. Um, and I think there's a especially interesting um, situation for legacy artists that have that like robust, strong community of people. It doesn't have to be a large group of people, but people that are like willing to go to the ends of the earth for you. That's the community that you want to cultivate. That's the community that you want to keep happy and still provide new stuff to because I'm sure they've exhausted all of the old things that are available to them and so continuously providing new things to them is actually a really great spot to be in and being able to have the opportunity is great for them and you yeah i think i saw at the end of last year that pearl jam are doing something like this where the, an incredibly rich archive with every show that they've ever recorded which is almost all of them being uploaded and, and the fans adding set lists and details and annotations and all this kind of which to, to me is a non i'm not a fan of pearl jam is is, is bewildering but if you are it's you know it's 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 gold, isn't it? It's it's what you want to spend hours sifting through. So I mean, to sort of round things up, then you know, looking at this um, this space of um, fan and artist connectivity and and the monetization around it and and all those sort of nuanced forms of connectivity that are, are available now, what do you think the future holds? The immediate future in terms of you know how excited are you by this space? But also, what are the things that artists should be doing now to really um, deliver the most to the fans and get the most out of it for themselves? Yeah, I mean, I am honestly super excited about this space because um, I believe in the power of fandom. And um, I think fans, this gives puts a lot of the power back into the hands of fans in a lot of ways, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, but it allows this relationship where it no longer feels so one-sided all the time. Um, so I'm really excited about the space and I think really kind of moving forward, I anticipate there's going to be more and more opportunities for fans and artists to work together. I think one of the first things that an artist needs to do um, when they're even thinking about the space is, sounds very old school, but build up your email list. The reason why you need to build up your email list is because technology is changing so quickly. So you might work really, really hard to build a really loyal fan base on 
XYZ platform and then a year from now everyone says, oh, we're not using that anymore or that company goes out of business, they lost their VC funding, et cetera. And then you have to start from scratch again. The same thing is relevant for the for just DSP streaming as well. You should build your own fan base on email because email people have had the same email for a decade plus. And then when you move to the new platform or you are looking for a new monetary source, et cetera, et cetera, you have that email base to rely on as your fallback at all times. You can use that for various things like from advertising, email marketing, et cetera. So that's the most important thing to do. And that is platform agnostic. And then from there, really, it's just listening to your fans and thinking about, hey, what do they want to see? What do they want? What can I provide to them? And also, I think one thing that's really important now that there are so many different ways that you can do this is still make sure that you focus and maintain your mental health. Just because you no longer have to fly all over the world doesn't mean that you can exhaust yourself by doing, you know, 15, 20 cameos a day. Make sure you're thinking about yourself um, and make sure you're bringing your best self to the table in whatever you're doing as an artist because you can't exhaust yourself to the point where you can't actually produce your music anymore. Um, and I think all of that is really agnostic of any tool, any platform, anything that comes for it. I think try them all out, see what works, what doesn't work, but really make sure you own your fan base and just take care of yourself. And of course, one other fascinating thing to watch out for is that as artists start generating money outside of their music, it starts to give them the ability to have more control over their music as well, which is another sort of fascinating consequence. So, uh, Christine Osuzua, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And that's it. A huge thank you to Christine Osuzua for joining us. Uh, and uh, do check out some of the links below the podcast, which will take you to uh, some more information about her event, uh, which is happening uh, in February. That's Measure of Music, uh, and as well the Nylon Connect conference event that she has been moderating recently. Uh, and if you found the podcast useful, please share it on with somebody else who you think will get something out of it. Music Ally also has a free weekly email called The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing insight and skills from uh, Music Ally's main output. So sign up and become instantly a happier person. Links are in the description as always. Okay, that's it from me, Joe Sparrow, editor of Music Ally. And uh, well, until next time, farewell and thanks for joining us.